0: Hello, Sons of Genghis Khan. This is Fernando with another yet podcast of Rethink. Uh, don't feel bad if I call you Sons of Genghis Khan. It's a good thing. Well, you can see it bad. I don't know if you guys know who Genghis Khan is, but as per some DNA, uh, DNA research, they have found that one in every 200 men have some DNA traces of Genghis Khan. So that means around 60 mi- 16 million people in the world have uh, descendants from Genghis Khan. And as per Wikipedia, we can see the descendants from Genghis Khan. Um, you can trace their descendants primarily in Mongolia, India, China, Russia, Southeast Asia and the Middle East. And so that's what I said that we, someone here could be some of Genghis Khan. All right, this is just a fun fact. But well, the topic of this podcast is that. Well, my name is Fernando, and I like mind control. <laughs> Many times, I when, when I start to do my podcast, I ask friends and colleagues if they have an idea if they want to be po- part of the podcast. And you know, here and there, they usually ignore or don't entertain my talks. I guess they think I'm not serious or it's not interesting. Who knows? But one day, someone told me hey why you just can say hey my name is Fernando and I like mind control and I'm like hmm I think you're right I kind of like mind control so it's something that I would like to do I'm sure I'm not the only one but when you talk about mind control I'm thinking about you know mentalist have you seen the there's a TV series I don't know if it still exists called The Mentalist so that's pretty much what I think when I think about mind control and yes I like mind control. What is really this superpower? What really is mind control if it's a superpower? I have been intrigued for a long time about how many people have some sort of mind control above others. You know, like in the TV series that I just sell The Mentalist, he can make people do things or say things or make believe things that is not even true. And, you know, like magicians even. Some people call these powers social engineering. I even read a book called The Ghost in the Wires. It's by Kevin Mitnick. Uh, he, is, uh, he was the first computer telecommunication hackers. I mean, one of the first computer slash telecommunication hackers back in the 80s. But also he could convince mostly anyone to do what he wanted to. So that's social engineering. Because he had the technical knowledge to hack into phone lines and computers later and the internet after that. But he could convince people about things just knowing a lot of things. Regarding the person or regarding what he wants to do so I found a, a website that I mean he gives you a lot of information what a mentalist is and of course they're trying to sell you some online trainees and courses on how to be a mentalist but they have something really interesting that he says mentalists don't actually read minds but instead they create illusions so it appears that they read a person's mind however through learning how to read body language and subconscious communication it's possible to read person's thoughts this is not actual mind reading in the true sense of telepathy but unconscious behaviors can be read by developing these skills to uncover a person's thought not bad right and of course if you want more information about it you have to buy their course their online course i don't know how much is it i don't really i'm not really interested in buying the course but this is this is pretty cool you know i i, I would like to get more into that uh, you know this trick might be very useful to make your boss tell you things that you want to know or do or to suggest doing things that you might want you know sometimes you need your bosses to do something for you or for the good of a lot of people but you know you have to talk to him and convince them and usually they always will say no because they have to prove point well well or, or, or sometimes you um you want to you know you want to talk to people you want them to be honest or or tell the truth about some things you know you just ask things you know in in real life there's like a uh, you know you talk to someone and you know that feeling when you ask something and you feel the person is not telling the truth or is lying or, you know you have the gut feeling because of many things, you know, the voice, the tone, the body language, their eyes, everything. You know, for example, like simple questions, very simple questions. Like, you know, we know this, you know, this girl you're dating. And I don't know, you know, at these ages, I don't know, we can't, we can't talk straightforward. But sometimes they ask you, they want to know about your private life and your ex-girlfriends and stuff. And then let's say that you want to be open, talking, talk very openly about your past and then let's say that you ask the girl how many sex partners have she had in her life before you and i was reading some uh, articles that they when you ask a girl that she oh she usually would tell you half of the real partners so you know that would be cool if you're a mentalist you can make her i mean you you know that she's lying because as i say all the time if someone tell me you know, if I, if I ask a guy or a girl, say, hey, how many sex partners have you had? It's, it's not that I care, but let's say that I've asked. And they tell me, 200. I have to believe it, right? Or if they say, oh, I just have two sex partners in my whole life. I mean, I, I still have to believe. But if you were a mentalist, you can you can see what, or you can make them talk. You know, you can, you can know that if they're really really saying the truth or not regarding everything right because some people they're very good at lying you think that they're saying the truth but they say that you really want Mm -hmm. to know something right Um, but well it it doesn't matter I mean So I will investigate more ab- about mind control and mentalist because sometimes you just want to know what people think, you know, or you want to make people believe things or make people tell you things or even do things. So, you know, you just want to know the truth, like when the truth, when you like, when you ask, hey, what what was your first uh, something? So that, ma- that brings me to the next fun topic. I was thinking about first times. Usually people don't come and ask you, hey, when was the first time you did something? Or, You know, but it's, it's fun. So I started to think, what was my first time that I do a lot of things? So in, 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 and then I, I was having fun. It's not that easy to go back so much, so much in time, so much back in time to remember fun things or even bad things that happened to you for the first time or things that you did the first time. So I was thinking, when was the first time... I drank in a party because a couple of times I remember I drank at you know my mother's house when she has some some people at at home or, or some or some uh, we had a, a, a big uh, in my neighborhood we had a, a everyone was friends so sometimes they just invite to to someone's party and, and they offer you a drink a beer or something but it's not the same because your parents they say okay give you one and then they were watching you but the first time that I drank into in a party I remember it was. it was such a long time ago. Uh, I had probably around 14 years old, and we went to a party of a girl that I used to like. Her name is Maria. So she invited her to a birthday party that she had. It was walking distance from my house in a different kind of neighborhood, but it was walking distance. We could walk. Back then, you could walk. It was not so dangerous like now. So we walked down, and I remember... I had a neighbor, her name is Carlos, Carlos Gomez. If you ever listen to my podcast, you were the one. And, and they were always listening to heavy metal in front of my house. And we were into the same high school. So I don't remember why we we're going to this party and we invite him. So he came, I remember, I think is my friend Carlos, my other neighbor, Juan Carlos, I think Randall as well. Uh, someone else was also with us. And I remember what we drank was rum, rum and coke. We went to the supermarket, this friend of ours, he was already 19 or 20 years old. Uh, well, it doesn't matter, he, he, he was not. He, he didn't buy the alcohol for us, he bought it for him and he invited us. Uh, it was fun. So what, what he did, we bought a two liters Coca-Cola Coke uh, bottle. So we just kind of drink almost half and then we opened the small bottle of rum, and then we mix it, and then we were drinking from the bottle. Oh man, that was so fun. But it made me drunk quite fast. But it was fun. And another thing that I did, first time I drove a car. First time that I drove a car, like really driving a car, like for more than 100 meters, it was when I started to learning how to drive. Back in the days, my mom had I remember he just she just bought another car. It was a Toyota. The model there was a Toyota Tercel or Tercel. And she had another car, but this Toyota Tercel was it, it was uh, with a shift uh, stick shift, shift stick. You have to make the change the no like the other one was was automatic transmission. And you in order you, you need to learn how to drive with the stick. <laughs> That's what she said. So she was, she was showing me how to drive in that car. So we just going forward, making just probably from first to second gear. And then we do reverse, just in straight line. And then when everything was good, she allowed me to drive around. I was 17 years old. It was just before I can get my driver's license. That is at 18 in Costa Rica. So that was my first car. So that was around 19... Oh, yeah, 1998, 1999, 1998. And he was a Toyota Tercel Blue, I remember. And then it was such a nice car. And like five months later, we got robbed in front of my house with guns and shit. They pulled us out of the car and no more car. That's another story. Then another first thing. My first cell phone. <laughs> that was nice. I remember my mom bought my my mine first cell phone because she had another one for her when we were kids. I mean, just adults used to have it. She used to have like a Nokia, one of these big Nokias that they're like inside like a pouch and stuff. But the first one that she bought for me, when was that? Uh, the year was, uh, I don't remember. 2007, around 2007 or so, 2006. So we went to this place called Price Mart that they have a lot of sales and cheap stuff and she bought for me a blue sony uh, ericsson i remember the model and then i had it for a while and then like i think the next year for my birthday she bought me another one but the first one that i had it was a blue sony ericsson that you can just make calls and i remember you can start texting and it was a gsm back then because tdma was already Old technology, GSM was the new, so... And I remember the bands, 900 milli- megahertz. That was the carrier was using there. Then she buy me. Then I got a... Yeah, for my birthday, I got another Sony Ericsson, the W200 Walkman. That was 2007, I remember. Then I remember I went to the gym one day. I left the cell phone inside the car. I don't remember why. And then someone broke in my car and still stole my... Cell phone stole my uh, car radio. It was a mess. Then I got an Alcatel One Touch 511. I used to love that phone. It was it was indestructible. You can throw everything, and he just break into pieces, but you can put it together, and everything was working. And then after that, I think I got a BlackBerry, the BlackBerry Storm in 2010. That's the first BlackBerry that it was touch screen. It was very weird, odd feeling because you had the the whole screen. It was like a big button, you know, it it was a big button. It was not like just, I don't remember how you call that technology, but the iPhone, you just touch the screen. But in the BlackBerry, you have to push the screen. It was like a big button, but it was just like a big button one and even click and everything. It was not very good phone. It didn't even have Wi-Fi, this BlackBerry. Then I changed to a BlackBerry Bolt. I loved it. And then my first iPhone was an iPhone 4S. And I just changed to iPhone 4s back then because Blackberry was going down why Blackberry why you didn't get into your shit I used to love Blackberry but well if you get behind you get behind. fine then I got my iPhone 4s yeah I was a little bit late late uh, late adopter but it was pretty cool iPhone 4s I remember I saw it used I got it I bought it used through a friend of mine I think uh, Ruben he sell it to me Thank you, Ruben. Love it. Uh, I have a list here. Oh, first time I kiss a girl that I really like, you know, because sometimes you go into these drinking games that you have to kiss a girl or something. Sometimes, okay, you want to kiss, but sometimes you just have to kiss a random girl. But the first time that I kiss a girl that I like, I really like, uh, oh man, that was so much, so long ago. I was 16 years old. Her name is Salome. <laughs> yeah, I remember. It was a French, uh a French student. I, I went to a French school, so she was a French. Um, she was in my same class. She came from France. Um, I don't know how many. I think I was in ninth grade and she joined my high school in Costa Rica. I think in she was in sixth or seventh grade. So she was no she was one year younger than me, just one year, yeah. And then, for because of things in life, then we 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 start to mingle a lot. And then, well, the first girl that I kissed, <laughs> funny. Then first movie that I saw on the movie theater, I think no one remembered this movie. The movie is called Willow. It was a weird movie. Movie. The guy was a. Uh, the plot. It was. Let me. Let, I can. I can look for here for the Willow movie, and who was on the movie? <laughs> you know who was there? It was Batman. Who knows what Batman was? I'm talking about Val Kilmer was one of the main characters there. There, and it, it was a weird, weird story, uh, sci-fi, uh, fantasy story, and it was. Di- it was directed by Ron Howard. That was such a good movie, and it was about this midget guy that. They 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 have to protect someone. I don't even remember the plot. And let's not talk about the plot because, if you know, it was going to be very long. But that was my first movie in the theaters. Willow. What year was Willow? Willow was in 1988. It means I was seven years old. 1990, 1988. Wow. time flies. Fun, fun. That was my first movie, Willow. And I think after that, I watched one movie called The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. Amazing movie. It's like a superhero. It's a guy's shadow that he's kind of, he's like, he can disappear, but you can just see a shadow. He's invisible, but you can see the shadow and he has like mind powers, mind control here again. And I was going to the movies because my mom had a, my mom had a friend that he was her neighbor. That I was very friends of her kid. And she liked to go to the movies. So she was always bringing us to the movies. Her name uh, is Maria Parecida. She's from Brazil. So if she ever listened to this podcast, Maria Parecida, I still remember. When you bring us to the movie theaters. Very nice with Diego and Antonio, his brother. Very cool. Then also I got in my first Email address. My first email address was in 1998 or 1997 or 1996. I don't even remember, but it was a Hotmail. It was when Hotmail was like mostly the only carrier, and when you go when you go surf the the internet, you have to use Netscape. And the first the first chat system was called ICQ back then, and. And you have to use Netscape to connect to the internet, and one of the one of the uh, websites to to search was called Alta Vista. So that's mm-hmm. a long time ago, 1997. Mm-hmm. Around that time, I got my first email address that I still using Fernando2yk at hotmail.com, and it was 2yk because in the 2000 it was called the error of the century. You know, computers mm-hmm. they were not. The, the bios and stuff There was it was not built to. after going to 2000 go to 2001 many of them they would just go back to I don't know 1972 or whatever so everything would be a mess they say and it was called the Y2K at the end I don't know why I changed to 2YK for my email address in, instead of Y2K but I think that maybe it was uh, when I was typing I just mistyped it And that's why it became 2YK instead of Y2K. But that's the idea behind it. And next, which uh, my list is... Oh, my first paid job. I had many jobs before getting a real paid job. My first paid job was working for Motorola Customer Service in Costa Rica. He was a clerk you just have to take calls on the phone and i got a pretty decent deal i was i was making a lot of money for those times it was 2004 or 2005 That was my first job paid ever because i was working also as a mechanic with a friend of mine it was my mom's mechanic she the the guy who was fixing my mom's cars her name is pablo pablo lopez and I got interested in mechanics and cars. So I, when I was studying for fixing cars in the technical school, then I was fixing cars with him, but I was not getting paid. I was just, you know, working to learn. So my first real job was Motorola. It was kind of a fun job for a while because when I knew how to how to deal with it and get good ratings from customers, it was cool. But, man, I, I can't stand being... Being eight hours sitting and people calling you with bad mood and shit. I understand that you are frustrated because your shit is not working. But man, you have to be nice to the other people in the other side of the, of the line. Sometimes, you know, they might have a bad day as well. But that was my first paid job. Motorola, 2004 or 2005. I was there just like three or four months and then I went to my next job. And... Another first thing is... All right. Oh, okay, I will make this the last one. My first job as an engineer. My first job as an engineer was with Siemens. Siemens Energy. Back in 2008. That was my first job as an engineer. Because I, I was working... I was doing some stuff as maintenance when I was uh, working in property management and stuff. But it was not really engineering stuff. But then my first job was... Siemens, Siemens in Costa Rica. Oh, man, I, I was so happy I got that job because I really wanted to work as an engineer. But, man, Siemens, Costa Rica, terrible. It, I, I, I hope it got better because it was not like Siemens worldwide. It, it was ma- Management was a little bit weird. But I got this job thanks to my friend, to my buddy, Juan Manuel, his brother, was one of the managers there from Siemens Energy. His name is uh, Jose Joaquin. So I appreciate they gave me the opportunity. Uh, nothing was perfect at the end. Nothing is perfect ever. Then I left. Uh, but my first job as an engineer was there. Then I moved to Emerson. That is where I am now. <laughs> cool. So yeah, I was working for Siemens Energy. That that I I love it. Siemens Energy, I was thinking, man, I'm going to go to Europe and Germany and what's the best thing in the world. There's nothing better than German engineering, you know, Porsche and everything that comes from um, German engineering is good. And we can say something, you know, like now we talk, you know, like a lot of the... Um, advancement in technology—they were made by Americans as well, but it's because somehow they stole the technology that the Nazis were developing, you know, during the Second World War. So when when they lost the war and the Allies won the war, so they took their prize. So what was the prize? All these things that the Germans were or the nazis not just germans because that doesn't mean that you're german that you're nazi or vice versa but kind of but it was the nazis they took the nazis thing and they they revamped it and a lot of good things but yeah the the best engineering german engineer buy a german car whatever is more expensive it makes you look cooler and i would say it's the shit man Engineering, Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Audi and other stuff, and and, and German products as well. You look at Siemens. (laughs) I learned so many things working for Siemens. I mean... Majority, they were not related to engineering, but I learned so much things about life, how is a job and how to deal with a lot of things and, and and work behavior, like you know, like how things work in a company, you know, like bosses and colleagues and going cafeteria and, and just wasting time and how many hours you work a day and start working this famous rat race. That I hate, but we'll see. Uh, I like my job, so for now it's good. But yeah, Siemens Energy, I was feeling so proud my work as an energy. And then start. I remember back then I started to have a lot of ideas regarding energy because in Costa Rica majority for energy, and because we were doing projects for Costa Rica, majority of energy comes from hydroelectrical uh, power. You know, so it's uh, turbines moved by water. You have to build a dam, Florida valley, and shit. But also those renewable energy, they are not available 100% of the time. If it doesn't rain, then you don't have a you don't have enough water on the dam on the dam dam to <laughs> generate. Or uh, or like say if you have wind power, if there's not enough wind, or you have too much wind, you can't generate either. Same with geothermal and all the stuff. And and then also we have the oil, the the fossil. Uh, the fossil energy that it comes from oil. So we have these big centrals that it was like, it's just like a big engine generating power. Of course, is CO2 emissions. So that's no good. But uh, some of the projects were cool. But then I was starting to think that Costa Rica is big enough to have other type of energy. Because in Costa Rica, we have a lot of renewable sources. Like I, I say already, hydroelectrical, wind some solar uh, geothermical geothermical and I was thinking why we don't have nuclear power nuclear power and I was thinking that's that's part of this podcast idea rethink so I say everyone use your neurons use it everybody tell oh no don't use uh, nuclear energy is, is for bombing is for killing people is dangerous and and it's true it, it is dangerous somehow but when we have when we enter in these debates about nuclear energy that you know nuclear energy comes from the fission of the atoms of uranium 238 I think and it's not perfect because it's fission I'm not an expert here I was just reading reading a lot about nuclear energy but I'm a very big fan Uh, I was listening to this guy in YouTube and in Facebook He's, he's a Spanish guy so if you don't know Spanish, sorry, but his name is Javier Santaolalla. He knows his shit about a lot of things. And there's another guy, another channel called Operador Nuclear. He always talk about nuclear energy. You can say he's a little bit biased because he's pro-nuclear pro energy. But a lot of things that he said, they're proven by facts, and scientific facts, and physics and this is what it is numbers physics and is you you can't lie numbers don't lie so the point here when when we approach a debate regarding nuclear energy i think it, we do it in the wrong way because we give it as a, we talk about nuclear power from the social and political perspective, so it becomes social and political debate, but we should make it as a scientific debate based on facts and numbers and and a lot of things that goes around this power that it shouldn 't be political or social, yes, a little bit because you know you have to make jobs and who are going to operate these people and all these things, but at the end it comes to a political because of the oil, and the oil power, and the big oil companies, and all these things, and everybody has interest here and there, and then there's a lot of misinformation. All the misinformation that we have, so it's not it's not good. So we need to learn more about this in order to have a better opinion. At the end, we are all free to say whatever we want, so for that we need to have the real and updated facts. So, one of the facts, you know, safety. Is it safe? Well, you might, you probably, maybe you remember about Chernobyl, that was 1986, or Fukushima, that it was just recently, I don't know, some 10 years ago, and the bombs, the A bomb, that the bombs that they were throwing Nagasaki and Hiroshima uh, at the end of the Second World War. But, you know, those were a different times, and from those times, uh, the things have changed a lot. New technologies, safety procedures, contention plans, better trainings. Everything has changed so much. And so, so we can't just put it on a social or political debate. They say Chernobyl. If you, if you read a lot about Chernobyl, yeah, it was a terrible disaster. And what happened there was a human error. Well, then Fukushima, it was... A, I mean, Fukushima was... A, well, it was an earthquake it was a tsunami then then uh, one of the one of the uh, how do you call the the centrals they they had a leakage in the water and and it was a mess because one of the reactors uh, cracked or exploded it didn't explode it just cracked or or it was a it has a small uh, yeah crack under and, and then the water entered and there was there was a r- radiation all over the place and stuff but You know, like if you go to the numbers, you can read now that current nuclear operation uh, plants, like operationals, they kill less people than any other type of energy. Yes, any other type of energy, including, um, um, I forgot the word, Uh, fossil fuels. And let, let me check, I have here something, some numbers well i i don't need to say all the numbers the index of deadly accidents with nuclear energy is is less is is the 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 lowest one unlike oil like fossil fuels oil and carbon you know so why we don't go or we don't push more for nuclear energy nuclear energy is a renewable energy if you think about it it's not that i'm making it it is it's true. It's renewable. We, we should start using more nuclear power. And, and people, people get upset and they get, you know, when you get into this debate, they say, no, because people can start making weapons for mass destruction, you know, like Iraq or everything there. You know, they have this central. They said that they are creating energy, but at the end they're enriching uranium for bombs but you can you you can control that because in in the order to use uh, uranium to a reactor you just have to enrich it in the order of the 5% and that's not enough for weapons for weapons of mass destruction the uranium has to be enriched to the level of 90% so and the procedures to enrich uranium to 5% until to 90% you, you don't know, right? Like you don't you don't know the how different the procedure it is. So when when po- when politicians they come and tell like these guys they want to do this because they want to enrich uranium. Okay, yeah. I mean, if we watch too much movies, or or you think that everyone wants to destroy the world. I mean, yes, you could, but it's it's not the same type of job. It, the enrichment of uranium for generation purposes is. Different than for weapons. Hmm? So there we go. Then another, another lie or another misinformation. They say that they, the centrals, they pollute a lot because you see the chimneys and the the towers that you can see, like in the Simpsons. You know, you see a big tower with a water, with some fumes going out. They're not fumes. It's just water in the form form of vapor is water vapor those chimneys what they do they are cooling what they are doing is they're by com- by um uh, is is the water that is cooling the reactors because when you create energy you also create heat and then you have to cool them down because if not boom <laughs> well yeah so that's vapor is it's, it's not co2 like on, on like in the industry whatever industry chemical industry and f- beverage industry food and beverage all industry they pollute more than that they pollute almost nothing just like just like any renewable energy like wind energy it's it's kind of the same the only cool the only I mean a, a big big difference regarding nuclear energy is that it's on demand you, you don't have wind the whole time but nuclear power you have it there you can just push the rods in or out in order to create the energy and, and, and start the fission of the, the atoms there. Cool, right? And I was reading, the there's a new fourth generation. Now they said that the, the, the current new nuclear reactors are the third generation. And they said that they're super safe. And I don't know if there's someone to, who are listening to me that is from Germany, you can correct me, but more than half of the power that you have—I'm not in Germany. I was talking. I was thinking about France. More of the, more of 50% of the power generated in France is nuclear. It's more than 50. And how many times you hear about an accident in France regarding nuclear? Never. I even was. I even went to a nuclear power plant when I was in France in 1998. It was super cool. It was just like an education, educational trip. Very nice, amazing. And you can see how it works and, you know, the feeling. Super cool. You get some radiation, but you get some radiation from eating a banana. It has some radiation. You, can, you get some radiation from the sun. Of course, the levels are super low. You get some radiation if you're flying because you are, let's, let's put it this way, you're too close from the sun, closer because you're like 30,000 feet or even you go higher than that, you get radiation. Because the layers of the atmosphere protect us from getting gamma rays and you know and uh, UV lights and all those things. But you get some, you get some, but we're safe. So what I was saying is that with the new fourth generation of nuclear centrals, uh, we'll be able as, uh, to produce energy as efficient as 90% different than the previous generations like third or before that you can just extract five percent of the energy of the uranium so imagine with the fourth and even fifth i was reading you can get 90 percent efficiency you know that will be that will, that will transform the lifespan of of, of the dangerous wasted they say because the um, the waste that you get from the with the uranium you get some solid waste that they have to encase it in some devices that they are, let's not get into that, but they put it in a case and they have to bury it in a very stable geological area in the world. So, of course, no one wants to be there, but it's very safe. You just encase it in very safe uh, cases, yeah. Of course, it's just not a case. It has some, you know... Engineering shit behind it, and they just have to bury it in a very um, stable geological place in the world, and it will be there for, they say, around ten thousand years until they get safe. Nevertheless, when with the new technologies, that the enrichment with the new, yeah, the the power coming from the uranium on the power plants. They will give you 90% um, efficiency and then you will reduce the lifespan of these dangerous wastes to around just 300 years. I mean, it sounds just, but again, you just encase it again, you find a very stable geological area in the world that majority of the times people don't live there. So you just need to bury them very deep on the uh, earth. But of course, you know, Greenpeace, they're saying, no, we don't want that. It's dangerous. I'm not talking about the bad part. I'm just now talking about the positive aspects. Because what I want, you guys, is like, use your brains. Think. Use your neurons and think by yourself. Just don't hear about what Greenpeace is telling you. Or like Fernando or Javier Santaolalla or, or Operador Nuclear or, or whoever, your father or the... Or the <laughs> the wife of your brother, you know. Just make your own ideas. I'm just telling you the positive thing that I want, that that I want to say. Um, so yeah. Also, another thing that I put here. Let me see what I put here. I put that, um, as per many documents that I read, it says that it's not it's not really that expensive. For a average nuclear power plant, it takes around 50, 50 months to build it but you know it would be powering the um, uh, a lot of houses for a long time without contamination what is more important what is more important to take care of the environment like taking some precautions or just to no oh, no no it's too dangerous and keep using fossil fuels for generation because you need fossil fuels if you rely all the time on renewable energy because again, renewable energy is not available 100% of the time. So, in order to complement this, you put f- uh, fossil fuels. That when you don't have water, when you don't have wind, when you don't have geothermal, then you have to turn on the big engines and start burning coal. And yeah, I say carbon before I was, th- I was thinking about coal and burning coal and stuff. That it will create a lot of emissions. That is bad for for us, it's bad for environment, it's bad for, for the ozone layer, but if we have nuclear power, you don't get those emissions, you get some, but you get on the levels of renewable energies and they're on demand, so in if, if you build a central a nuclear cent, a nuclear power plant uh, for the life that that can have one of the reactors that I was thinking that it was like 40 years you pay the investment and you're not polluting, and it's, it's a little bit small facilities compared to a dam where you have to flood the whole thing. You know, it's just me, it's just me, it's just me giving you the good facts. I'm not going to talk about the negative, about the dangers, and about the, um, the wastes that they exist, but they are very manageable. Um, so, to close this idea about nuclear energy I would say and I read I think I read it somewhere because I, th- I had it here in my script um, that the energy is a continuous, reliable and safe energy to everyone and can complement very good the rest of renewable energy because it's on demand you just turn you, you just have the power plant there on if you don't have enough water to spin the turbines so Also, nuclear energy pollutes less than fossil fuels and there's no power outages because nuclear is again on demand without oil or coal. Of course it's not perfect, it has some dangers, it's not 100% renewable, of course, it creates some dangerous waste but might be a better solution than the option again, that is fossil fuels. And what else I can say? Yeah, I said already, nuclear can cover the lacks of the rest of renewable energies that and contaminate, contaminates way less than the option. That's for power plants. Then we need to start migrating our cars as well for other energies, like electrical energies now, like cars, electric cars like Teslas. Like the ones that I rent that is called Blue SG here in Singapore. You can use them. It's very cheap. It's cheaper than sometimes, oh, mostly all the time, it's cheaper than getting a grab if it's a long distance. If it's short distance, no. Because you have to pay a minimum of 15 minutes. And I think it's 30 cents per minute. So it goes around $5 per 15 minutes. A little bit less. We're around there. But it is, it's a good option is electrical thing it's electrical power so it's not generating fumes from the back of the pipe because it has no pipe but again in singapore how do you generate power in singapore aha aha that's another episode we will talk about how we generate power here we have power plants that they are also from fossil fuels but also we burn and i think we generate from this burning but that will be another episode and thank you for listening and remember be smart and always use your head and think and rethink and don't think don't believe everything that you hear not even from me go to the internet don't believe 100% what you hear from the internet just study more study more and like this guy javier santa olaya said well who knows You might be the next Albert Einstein if you study hard. All right. Bye bye. See you soon.